consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom and knowledge. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Ascend podcast, we're joined by the beautiful and incredible creative Jennifer Zadini. And this is actually Jennifer's second time on the podcast, and she's the creative mind and founder behind Evolve and Ascend.com. And in this podcast, we really dive into the conversation of tuning in and tapping into our inner voice, inner self, or inner wisdom, whatever you want to call it. In this podcast, just came in great timing as it was actually recorded just as me, Chris and Jennifer have all just come back from a break from the world of creative endeavours and prior to this conversation I just felt like my own inner wisdom had actually been squeezed to the back of my body with too much external information and I think we all go through periods of our lives where we are just being stretched in too many different directions trying to balance social life job seeking whilst also trying to maintain that natural balance and it's at times that can be so hard to manage and I think everything in society is going to try and sort of push it or adapt to another person's worldview. Terence McKenna had a great quote he says that if you don't have a plan you become a part of someone else's and also as well that was also said in the Toltec traditions as well they call it becoming a part of someone else's dream and I think it's very difficult to sort of navigate yourself through the sort of stormy seas of life when the stormy seas of life can sometimes be full of shit. It sometimes feels like you're standing in front of a sort of like a tennis ball machine or a baseball machine that fires balls at you but this machine instead of being loaded with bright green balls or white balls is actually loaded with shit in the shape of societal demands. (laughs) And I think to navigate yourself through all of this, you really need to know who you are at your deepest levels. And the only way you can really do that is by tapping into your own inner dialogue or wisdom. And for me, I think you can do that by going into nature, meditation, doing a float tank, doing a yoga session, and many other things. But these can really be the bridge to help you bridge that gap between you and your inner wisdom. And I think some people need to create a physical space and others can just create the internal space whatever works for you and the thing is the inner wisdom is always there for us but we just don't always quite hear it or we just keep pushing that voice or inner wisdom to the back of our bodies an example i can think of is just like see if our bodies are sick and they're trying to tell us a certain thing and we just many times we can just go here you go body there's some pills or here's some alcohol shut the fuck up body or another example would be like um, a child's Nerf gun, a child's plastic toy gun, if anyone knows what that is. But basically you load the gun by sort of putting in soft spongy balls. But when you load each sponge ball, the other gets sort of pushed to the back of the Nerf gun without ever really firing the balls at the back. And at times that can exactly that's what it can exactly be like with us just pushing our inner wisdom to the back of our bodies, just like a Nerf gun if you like that. <laughs> but the inner wisdom will always keep knocking on your door. We just need to learn to open it. So anyway, just before we jump with this podcast, I just want to say thanks so much to all incredible people over at Patreon who have actually decided to support the podcast. And over the last few weeks, we've had a few more people who have decided to support the uh, viral Patreon page, and it really means a lot to us. And for anyone who hasn't yet decided to become a Patreon member yet, it would be amazing if you could just consider joining the Patreon community and supporting the podcast. And when you also become a Patreon member by donating whatever amount each month, even if it's only $2 a month, you will gain access to bonus content that is only available to Patreon subscribers. And on that Patreon page as well, we're constantly adding new bonus content and rants every week. And we're constantly going to keep adding more and more new bonus conversations and new rants over at that Patreon page on a regular basis and we're really going to make it the place for you guys who do want to get that extra bit more from the podcast. And we've also just added on that Patreon page as well a new talk where me and Chris talk about some of the books that have changed our way of thinking and we also in the process we give you guys some recommendations as well. So anyway if this does tickle your fancy you'd like to listen to that and listen to other rants that we've done all you need to do is go to the Ascend podcast website and hit the subscribe button 
And also in the description of this podcast as well, there is a link to the Patreon page. Or alternatively, you can go to www.patreon/ascend. So anyway, without further ado, Jennifer Sedini, enjoy. Beautiful day. How are you feeling? Pretty great, man. Being in Egypt and then coming back and integrating—it's almost like integrating from a psychedelic experience. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. (laughs) What what was there, Jennifer? What was Egypt like? Was it cool? It was incredible. I. It was just so humbling and magical and perspective shifting. There was just so much beyond beyond what you'd ever expect to because it's magical and mystical and there there's there's that whole component to it but you know you're in a third world country and being in that is a real culture shock in many ways and it, it's very grounding and um makes you really appreciate how lucky we are yeah jennifer if you want because i'll to just roll in jennifer i'll just let you know that talks it was put this meal just roll in now if you want <laughs> Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I was actually wondering as well when you were saying that there, Jennifer, um, what actually, um, what drew you to, to Egypt to, to go to the pyramids? So, uh, Nassim Harriman, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, yeah, yeah. but he is this brilliant mind, kind of like a, a modern day Nikola Tesla, and he has a, a platform called uh, Resonance Science Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization, um, basically trying to find the unified field theory. Um, through physics and a lot of things that are beyond beyond my comprehension, yeah, yeah. but Nassim and his team have been working towards making it tangible for even people that aren't scientists and, and physicists. So they have an online learning platform called the Resonance Academy. So I was given the opportunity as you know a, a media trade to go to Egypt for the Resonance Academy delegate gathering in exchange for supporting what they're creating through Evolve and Ascend. And I've been a longtime fan of Nassim. I just, there was something about his energy and, and the way he articulated consciousness as a science, but also connecting to spirit. Like he had this one quote that drew me in a long time ago about how um, looking for consciousness inside of the brain is like looking for the announcer inside of the radio. And that struck me. (laughs) And he's just such a love when seeing him in person and just the way that he emits this light was just unlike anything. The guy is tremendous. Um, But that, that was how I had the opportunity. And um, my friend, Matt Belair, um, I don't know. I think you guys know Matt, right? Yeah, We we know, we know Matt. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, I love Matt to death. Matt helped facilitate the introduction and allowed it to happen. So I, I have a big, big gratitude to Matt for, for making this happen too. Yeah, cool. Matt's actually been on our podcast now six times. He's, it's, he's on our podcast more than he's on his own. He's on, <laughs> he's on the podcast more than we are. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. He has such good energy. He's just such a good guy. Yeah, I was actually wondering as well. Uh, I was. I love that when you was, that quote, by the way, as well. And I was actually wondering, did you actually did you actually get a chance to go in the pyramid where he's actually allowed in? Oh yes, and the way the way that we were was pretty unbelievable. So, um, you know, the first day we had an excursion to the Giza Plateau, so we got to see the the plateau where the pyramids are. We didn't get to go inside, and you know, if you don't have the correct eyes to see what's happening there. It's, it's still mind boggling. And one of the people that we're with, uh, Yousef Iwan, his father is in a show called, was, he, he's late, he had passed away. He was in a show called Pyramid Code, um, which is on Netflix and it's, it's tremendous. I highly recommend it to anybody that's interested in this kind of thing. But, you know, Yousef and his father, they have this long line of keeping the secrets of the pyramids and Yousef is a stone carver. So, being at the pyramids with him, with his perspective, was really interesting because as you're exploring just the plateau and you look at the bedrock, the stones are humongous, absolutely like mind-boggling that any human could carry these, let alone chisel them and, and carve them into these formations. But he was explaining to us how 
the different types of stones used, there's a scale where, you know, zero is the most malleable soft stone to 10, which is diamond. Many of these stones fell between an eight to a 10 on this, this chart. And the story was that, you know, humans made the pyramids with copper chisels and, and rope. <laughs> knowing that some of these stones were as hard as diamond and like how, how in the world are you going to carve into them with a copper chisel? It's just, there's no way. And then beyond that too, some of the stones, they say it, they aren't even native to the area. So they'd have to be quarried from over 700 miles away to be brought to, to that space. Yeah. Well, so that's nuts. Yeah, it's, it's very it's very interesting because when you said the pyramid code there about that guy Yusuf, I actually watched the pyramid code as well. That's a very fascinating documentary there. And um, yeah. when you were talking about um, you were saying about how the, there's something there, there is something clearly going on with the pyramids that obviously that the correct story sort of doesn't tell you. And um, it's very interesting to me because when you're t talking about how the, they were built and things like that, the, the huge guy, uh, gigantic stones and things like that, I was actually thinking in my head, I mean, me and Chris have talked about this before, but we said just imagine if you had, like, say, a group of slaves and you were just saying to the slaves, oh, by the way, um, can you just put this rock just a bit to the right so it lines up with the, uh, this star sign up here? It's, yeah. it's absolutely no. crazy, man. It's insane. It's insane. And when you see the magnitude, even, you know, we had a group of 160 people and in look, putting the group together and imagining the group like carrying this stone, it, no way, no. <laughs> and that's just the outside of it. So when we had the opportunity to go in, we actually had the opportunity to go inside the pyramids on the night of the full moon. And for me, it was really special because I'm in Aries and that full moon was in Aries. So like, oh, for me, <laughs> this is going to happen. <laughs> um, but Nassim was able to organize that. We each got to go into the pyramids privately. So I chose to go in for the last group, which was from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. So in that time, we had two hours each to go inside each of the three pyramids and ohm and chant and meditate and i'll tell you that was the most psychedelic unbelievable experience i've ever had in my entire life ever and the king's chamber the way that sounds resonate in there it's 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 something that i can't even properly articulate with language because there are no words to describe how sound affects you while you're in there it's it's completely transcendental so you know when I got to walk in Nassim I mean god bless him he had been oming and toning that room since six o'clock that evening so I walk in at 10 and he's still in this trance and we each got a moment to lay in the sarcophagus and I'm laying in the sarcophagus as Nassim and this the whole group of beautiful people are chanting rolling ohms and have you guys seen the fifth element yeah 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 grateful mm -hmm. amount yeah, you know the scene when they like activate Lilu and the light comes out of her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it felt wow. when I was in there. And I was every cell of my body and my chest was rising up and I felt like I my soul was literally going to shoot out to the Pleiades. <laughs> I was like this is amazing. <laughs> and then after we left in between going to the first and second pyramid, we look up to the sky and about 15 of us saw this. We see three stars moving very fast and we're like these aren't planes because they're moving too fast and they're in this cluster and then all of a sudden other cluster of stars moving very fast happens and there had to be about 50 of them we kept saying there were ships because there's no other word to describe what this is it's like this is not a group of 50 satellites this is not a group of 50 stars that are just moving really fast what is happening? And we all watched this. And even the the guards were, were looking up and just kind of winking like this is something that happens often. And apparently the pyramids are a no-fly zone. Um, you're not allowed to fly over them. And shortly after that had happened, after all just completely awestruck, seeing this craziness in the sky, two military planes flew over towards where we saw what we were seeing. Whoa. Whoa. I love yeah. that. I love that, by the way, as well. It's a very interesting story. And um, when you were saying before about how you said how the, the pyramids, when you were inside the pyramid alone and things like that, you felt like it was sort of like a resonance coming from the pyramid. It's interesting because yeah. we had, um, I know who you, you know him as well, we had Freddie Silver on the podcast. Oh, uh, yes. And he was actually speaking, yeah, he was speaking about how the, the pyramids have actually sort of been designed in some sort of sense or some sort of way to actually sort of be sort of like a, um, a sensory deprivation sort of place. So when you were saying about how the, the certain rocks, like the, I think you, did you say they used crystals, did you say? 
Yeah, they use quartz crystal. They use rose granite, limestone. Um, each of them had had different different ones that they used, and it, it makes sense too to what what Freddie was saying. And you know, have you guys heard of Willem Reich or looked into any of his work? Yeah, 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 incredible guy. Yeah, but when you think about like how orgon energy, he believed was through through layering organic and inorganic materials together. And it makes you wonder about like the different stones that they chose, if maybe that there were different energies when layered a certain way. So I definitely, they were not tombs. They definitely were like initiation chambers. And they, though, that was something to a ritual connect to the stars or to, to resonate some type of power that's beyond our comprehension. I, I it's just, um, a great riddle that uh <laughs> yeah. it makes us think as well should we actually solve the riddle of the pyramids or should we just let the mystery and the secrets like just keep on like making us like wonder and open up our consciousness or maybe that is the, the mystery itself i think that's the mystery itself you know i wonder if they were just designed that way um you know, it also makes you wonder too, which is the the crazy thing about this riddle of the pyramids how the sacred the sacred site it's juxtaposed next to pretty much mayhem. You know, Cairo is Cairo is a scary place. And we're very, very lucky because of our group. You know, we had we had amazing locals and guards and we had police escorts, which was also very scary because I didn't realize at first that we had police escorts while we were touring and one of the first days I was on the bus, I look over to my left and I see a truck with guys and machine guns. Yeah. And I almost had a heart attack. I'm like, oh my God, there's just a truck with people in machine guns following us. Like, uh, uh, what is happening here? And there were police escorts and they were actually protecting us. But, you know, that that looking at the pyramids, it's like this combination of the magic, but then the mayhem of Cairo. And it, it's really very, very humbling. It's interesting how you said that, Jennifer, because in a, in a, to a certain sense, it, that's to me as well, that resonated in my mind, like sort of that's how life is to a certain degree in society now. Like you have this sort of balance of this mayhem, but you're also on the other side, you have like this, the, the mayhem where you have people sort of trying to screw people over and all about greed. But then on the other scale, you have these other people like ourselves as well, not being big headed, but like ourselves and other people who are seeking and things like that, who are trying to manage that balance between the chaos and sort of trying to expand the consciousness. Totally. I think it's it's an interesting allegory for life, you know, like the the Freemasons and the Hermetic philosophers believe that, you know, in the concept of like we live in this chaotic universe and out of chaos comes order. And it's funny because today actually in 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 the mail, I uh I got this amazing mailer. I get I get these monthly um mailings from Lucius Trust and I, I'm part of this thing called Triangles. And basically, they talked about how, um, where is it? Let's see. Um, I want to find this quote because it's really unbelievable. It was talking about how, you know, we live in chaos. And it's, it's oh, here we go. A chaos to the sense, a cosmos to the reason. And that really hit me because it kind of felt like the, what we're talking about with the pyramids, too, where it's like it's chaos to our senses, but there's like a cosmic reason to it all. Wow. wow, that is deep. Yeah, to get that in the mail today. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. It, it says to me, like, because this is this is what comes up a lot in my life as well. It says to me, like, it's sort of like there's a, there is a, there's a lot of chaos in the world, but the more I see the chaos, it's it's more like the universe is just sort of playing a game with you. It's like it's sort of just challenging you and trying to like sort of push you in a corner, so that when you're in the corner, you can actually it expands your mind to the next degree and next level. That's the way I sort of like to see it. Yeah. I agree with that too. And I think that anytime I've had any like profound or exponential growth, whether it's like through consciousness, spirit, or emotional, emotional growth as a human, it's been when I've been kind of backed up to a wall because it's like, it's a true test. It's like, all right, you know, it's all about learning to become fearless. And how do you become fearless? It's by facing fear. Jennifer as well, when you were talking about being in the pyramids alone and things like that, I mean, because I heard before, I heard quite a few rumors that when people were trying to go in the pyramids and they were trying to actually meditate, people they were actually banning people from meditating in the pyramids. I mean, did you have any sort of, any sort of, was that the case for you or were you actually allowed to freely meditate? Yeah. Was yeah. there any limits on what you can and couldn't do? Yeah. They warned us that technically it's illegal to meditate in there. That's crazy, man, isn't it? 
so nuts. I mean, they said the guy was funny because he's like, you know, it's illegal to meditate, but you can close your eyes and breathe. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he was saying that, but I mean, yeah, it's apparently like completely illegal to do that, which is wild, completely wild to think. And, you know, for me, like, you know, I, I live in the States and I feel very, very fortunate to be able to be a single girl that's kind of carving her own way and sustain, self-sustainable, like never been married. But being in Cairo also was a very big perspective shift into how how lucky women are in the States to have that opportunity afforded to them because, you know, it is a Muslim country and the women are all wearing hijabs and burqas and, you know, married with kids and women can't even drive yeah women aren't even allowed to drive there and it's like you know i'm walking through this blonde haired girl with tattoos and and like purple hair on the end and i'm like wow this is just oh sorry jennifer i was just gonna say you're living like this ultimate form of expression you're really honing in on this like not just the power of like being a woman but the power of being a human being and i think a lot of like these um these types of like cultures i cultures are really like restricted in like what women and like even men in a sense can all do but especially in the context of what women can do it's it's very disheartening really to see that's happening which is so surreal because you know if you have you guys looked into sufism at all i haven't actually i haven't i haven't heard of that view how do you spell that jennifer i'll check it out sufism s-u-f-i-s-m so sufi is a type it's a form of islamic mysticism and the famous poet rumi he was a sufi so if you're familiar with Rumi's work, he has some of the most beautiful poetry and spiritual prose I've ever read in my entire life. But Sufism finds its root in Islam, but it's it's got one of the most beautiful philosophies on, on spirituality that I've ever read or come in contact with because their concept is the same wind that flows through the trees and the same tree that flows through the wind and the grass and us we're all part of god and god is nature and it's not man it's not separate from man it's like the totality of the all and the ways that they articulate a lot of it in sufism is very poetic it's kind of like cosmic consciousness in a way but where where's the divide like where did it go wrong that like this this suppression and and hatred towards women it's it's surreal in many ways because it's like they get it in in the idea of like God is nature and like there's no separate but then this extreme other side it's really surreal. Unfortunately, Jennifer, I think a lot of um what a lot of religion is is like a lot being corrupted in many different ways to for either profit or to marginalize it like the agendas of like men really and it's a, it's a shameful like a apparent um, thing which is happening in a lot of like Muslim and Islamic culture really it's horrible to see yeah I mean with religion and also with myth and this is another interesting thing I learned when I when I was in Egypt too is you know I, I've been fascinated with Egyptology Egyptology for a while and um, you know I, I I've learned my my own perspective of it just from the different books I've read but you know I don't know if you guys are familiar with the myth the myth of Osiris and Isis yeah 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 so, you know how Osiris is always portrayed green, and I thought the reason that he was portrayed green and how I had read it is because, you know, Osiris's brother is jealous of the love between Osiris and Isis, so he kills him and chops him into all these pieces. Isis is so devastated, she grows wings, collects all the pieces of him and puts it back together, and he's portrayed green because basically he's like resurrected from the dead. Um, but... Yusuf had said that that's actually a modern take on the story and that that's not the truth. The true story is that the reason that Osiris was portrayed as green is because he was closest to nature. And in Egyptian philosophy, they call gods and goddesses netters and E-T-E-R, meaning forces of nature. So it wasn't that they were God per se or like the goddess. They were forces of the God and God is nature. And Osiris was green because he was closest to nature, not that he died and resurrected. It was that he was part of the all. Pretty wild. Yeah, it is. It is pretty wild. And before, Jennifer, as well, when you were talking about how you were saying that you've always been sort of pulled by Egypt and things like that, and pulled in by the pyramids and things like that, it's, in, it's interesting to me because I always remember when I was younger and things like that, 
I always, I always had this this real deep connection to the pyramids, and that was actually one of the main things on my journey. That sort of like started started me thinking alternatively and started looking at alternative information. And I remember from that as well. After looking at the pyramids, I started looking at UFOs and things like that. And I also picked up a copy of uh, Graham Hancock's book, Fingerprints of the Gods. I'm not sure if you've read that book, but it's a fascinating book. It really does open the sort of the, the really does flip your perception, your mind, the alternative new information. But have you ever actually questioned why, like fundamentally, why you are actually you've been drawn to the pyramids all your life? I I have because you know in my my bloodline, you know I'm Irish, Italian, Scottish, and German. Grew up with my occultist grandmother. Never really had religion other than what I explored on my own spiritual quest. And of all things to have been drawn to, I don't know what the reason why with Egypt. And, you know, I don't know if you saw my Facebook post about how I had found the feather. Um, but, you know, a lot, it kind of like spiraled into like a whole new wave of understanding and, and like attraction to Egypt. When I had this dream when I was in Costa Rica of going down a hallway and seeing this being and in the dream, it was most, one of the most lucid dreams I ever had in my life. But the being, you know, wound up being a man and saying to me that there's nothing separate, there's no, there's no other. All that matters in this life is that your heart is as light as this feather. And the being pulled out a scale and the heart and the feather was on it. And at that point, I had never read the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And I actually just journaled that. And when I got home, I Googled it. And it led me to find the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which talked about the Hall of Judgment, where Anubis weighs your heart against the feather and that's like the what the weight of your soul is is weighed against and I've had so many really strange experiences that kept leading me to uncover this Egyptian philosophy and I don't know I mean it could be past life it really did feel like I was coming home when I was there too which was really really wild there's certain things that I don't know I don't know how to explain um but there's something to it I mean I I, I don't know. <laughs> it gives me chills even thinking about it. Yeah, I love that story as well, by the way. And um, when you said you had a lucid dream, and it's interesting to me, it actually sprung in my mind as well. I had a, I had an experience where I was in a float tank. And um, I always have, like, just like you, I've always had this affiliation to the Egyptian pyramids. I mean, it, it is hard to sort of pinpoint why. There could be so many reasons why. But um, I had an experience where I was in the, actually in a float tank. And um, all of a sudden, I sort of popped out my body. And um, I was actually under. I had a vision of me actually floating on the actual in my body as well underneath the pyramids, like some canals underneath the underneath the actual the the free pyramids. Wow! It's really surreal how the, how you can have certain moments in your life like that can that can actually sort of tie us back to sort of tie us back to these these um co these connected realities that maybe in the past we we may have lived we may have lived these lives or. Or yeah. maybe maybe future lives or whatever it is, but it's just we. I think these train of thoughts that come in your mind all the time. I think this just sometimes so beautiful just to even explore and actually sort of be open to the possibility that that could be the case. Yeah, well, this is a paradox too, where where I start to think I'm like, okay, if we're all one and there's no separate and everything connects, all lives are part of our lives and we're limited by our perception of of our personality in this life. But like maybe that is like, like through the Akashic records, we have access to everything that's ever lived and ever been and ever will be. And perhaps, you know, that's just a reason we're shown something is because that life has a significance to something that we're supposed to create within this life. I don't know. It is totally trippy and heady to think about. These are like things that I think about in my spare time. But it's, uh, it's wild to think. Yeah, I love that as well. Just I don't want to just switch uh, gears a little bit as well because I know as well that like, you went, um, you went. Was it Costa Rica you went to as well? Was that for Rivmia? Yes. Yeah, yeah. How, how how was that experience? Because I know as well yes, that would that would be sort of intense. Because I think that was like a sort of a yoga and meditation retreat as well, and ayahuasca as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So actually, the first time that I went to Rivmia was in May. Um, I went to out to Oakland in April for psychedelic science, which was a convention put on by Maps. And uh, basically, the convention's put on every three years, and they gather all the leading scientists and researchers that are trying to explore the science of psychedelics as a medicine and the implications of what that could mean for healing and our own evolution. And being there was incredible. I mean, it's just the minds in that room were, were overwhelming. And actually, some of the talks were so science-heavy 
that it was hard to sit through because the the information was so dense, but I'm like cheering them on. It's like, yes, this is what's needed. (laughs) But while I was there, uh, Brandy Powell, who is the co-founder of Rhythmia, she had come out and her and I just connected. It was like, talk about past life stuff. It felt like she had been a sister of mine in a past life. And she really loved what I had going on with Evolve and Ascend. And she said, you know, like, I want you to come to Rhythmia, come down. So she invited me and I came down in May. And when I was there, I, um, I drank the medicine with, with Taita, he's called. So Taita Juanito has been drinking ayahuasca and studying the medicine since he was four years old. And he studied with, um, his, the grandfather, they call him for his whole life. And this grandfather is 115 years old and he's one of the world's oldest living shamans. So Taita is a very powerful, powerful healer. And actually when I had met him, you know, just looking in his eyes, I started to cry (laughs) because he just felt so pure. And uh, at that point, you know, I, I, I was so grateful for the experience that I had been given because, I mean, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime experience to be able to go down there and to drink medicine with this amazing man and this incredible facility. But I was still kind of processing a lot of, like, different emotional stuff that I guess I hadn't dealt with. You know, I was going through whatever, thinking about, like, my ex-boyfriend and, like, trying to make sense of that. So when I went, I my intention was to see what I need to see to be the best possible version of myself. And through working with Taita and what those journeys showed me, it completely lifted all of the heaviness off of my heart, and I felt so much lighter. And some of the journeys were scary. Um, the first time that I did ayahuasca, was in 2013. It was also in Costa Rica, but in another place called Guaria de Osa. But the first time I did the medicine, I had the best experiences of my life. I didn't get sick. I literally went on this cosmic journey of, of the all and saw angels and like everything beautiful that you could possibly imagine and colors beyond the spectrum of, of our vision. It was gorgeous. So doing the medicine again, I was hoping for that kind of experience, but that's not really what I got. <laughs> um, there was a lot of purging, but and the wildest thing about it is that that's also beautiful in its own way because when you purge on the medicine, it's like not like this, this they call it getting well, right? Instead of being called getting sick, it's getting well. And with every release, you're letting go of all the toxic emotions that you're holding on to. So it's like every time I felt sick, I was letting go of sadness. I was letting go of anger. I was letting go of resentment. I was letting go of like, you know, feelings of like self doubt and like unworthiness. I came out of that experience very transformed. And, uh, you know, luckily, you know, I've, I've been working with Rhythmia and they invited me down again. And I, I spent two weeks there in August And in the two weeks that I was there, I did four ceremonies and, uh, it's completely different. (laughs) It's like literally like rolling the dice every time you you do a medicine journey. But, um, this, this time around when I was there in August, a lot was about the power of creativity and how in this time of, you know, perceived chaos that the role of the creator is so important because, you know, each of us, The power of our imagination is only limited by how much we can imagine, right? And when we feel like we're in this time where, you know, Donald Trump feels like the world's collapsing, this, that, and the other thing, if we step outside of that and step into the power of our imagination and what we can create, the potential is limitless. So that was like a big download I received there where it's like, where is your attention going? Put your attention towards what you can create feed that love that yeah definitely i completely 100 percent agree with uh with you there jennifer i think i think your imagination is incredible and it's definitely the insight which we like to take everybody um to be honest like me and dan really like to emphasize a lot on our creative thought and our imagination because we do find a lot of answers that we do seek especially when we're starting to be creative in our questions um jennifer when you were doing the um, process of like um ayahuasca do you go into like questions in your mind or do you just like is that where you find your answers through questions in, in like, um, or is it just through like the experience itself showing you both? So, um, this time around, I, I really went in with, um, 
intention, again, the first time my intention, like I said, was to show me what I need to see to be the best version of myself. And this time I was a little more, I had intention, but I was a little more open where it's just, I'm open to receive what I need to see. Um, but I think it's a combination. Like if you set an intention or if you let yourself open, or if you have questions, um, one of the nights I, I had certain questions about, you know, when, so Jerry, the founder has a, a certain program that he advises people to follow about finding it, it, the way he teaches that he believes that the reason why, you know, pain comes into our life is that at some point in our childhood, there's some type of trauma that happens. And as we split from our soul, that's when things like addiction and fear and insecurity starts to, to trickle into our experience. But that's not our truth. You know, our truth is that like we're supposed to be one with our soul because when we're one with our soul, all potential is possible. So he teaches you a practice to get in touch with where that time was in your life where your soul split so that you can reunite with it and heal your heart. So one of the nights I followed that process to see where it was that my soul split from myself and to reunite with it and, and asking that question and going on the journey to see was completely surreal. And there definitely is something to it. Cause I think that, that, you know, when you're a kid, you're kind of, you go off of your feelings and you're fearless until you know fear. Right. And, or if like there's a past life thing, you can be born with a fear of water and that's like a whole other rabbit hole. But, um, yeah. it's interesting when you look at it that way and then ayahuasca, it basically you can time travel on it and go back to that moment with crystal clear clarity. And it, it was surreal because I did see the moment where my soul split and then I asked myself to be healed. And I feel like I reunited with that part of me that I, I also lost. Yeah, I love that by the way, Jennifer. And it's interesting before, Jennifer, because when you were talking about, you said the word sort of, I think you said about stepping away, sort of to tap into your own imagination and things like that. It's interesting that what, what came to my mind is because me and, Chris, me and Chris have both went through a period that might resonate with you as well. And I'm not sure if this was one of the reasons why you actually went to Rivermere as well, was to sort of, not just to do ayahuasca, but it was more about sort of stepping away from your from your mind, to a sense, and stepping away from what's going on in the world, like you were saying before about Donald Trump and all the rest of the crap that's sometimes going 100 million miles an hour around us. But um, me and Chris, anyway, we, we sort of needed a break away from the podcast as well, because we've actually just come back from the podcast uh, about... We had we took about four or five weeks off because um and we both went we had, both had, went away as well and took ourselves physically away from sort of everything that's going on in the world just just to sort of be like like you said before just to sort of step away and tap into our own imagination but um it's very interesting to me because I don't think a lot of people actually realise that from that what you were seeing before as well I think a lot of times we actually have our own sort of inner dialogue that people actually don't realise that we can connect into or we have our own inner inner wisdom that can be sort of connected to and tapped into and I think at times we just sort of need to step away and instead of just sort of squeezing that inner wisdom sort of the back of our bodies we need to actually sort of step into that inner wisdom and I think that's maybe what you were also doing when you were at Rivermere. Completely and it's beautiful that you say that because I, I agree like there this is the kind of cosmic joke right where we search outside of ourselves for all of these answers but if we look within and listen to to our own heart and mind we can find so much and actually when i was at rhythmia um one of the people that came down there was this beautiful man wonderful human he, he has a nonprofit organization that helps feed kids and schools and educate them on nutrition just like one of the most beautiful people i've ever encountered and after one of the nights of ceremony, he told us this story. And I guess it's an Indian fable, but he talked about how in this story, uh, there was a point where the gods and man were one and man knew divinity. And we, we were at one with what that divinity meant and understood our relationship to nature and the universe. But something had happened where man had angered the gods, so the gods stripped man from his divinity and hid it because man had to prove themselves worthy of being able to be one with the divine. So the gods consulted each other and talked about where they would hide the divinity until man proved his worth. So one god had said, well, how about we hide it on the moon? And they said, well, eventually man will create a way 
to, to go to the moon and find the divinity again. So say, okay, well, how about we hide at the bottom of the ocean? Say, no, one time, at one point, man will develop technology to get to the bottom of the ocean. Said, well, how about we hide it in man's heart because man will never think to look there. Yeah, I love that. By the way, I love that story as well. And um, Anthony Peake actually also told that story on the podcast as well. And I think it was actually, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if you said it. I'm not sure if you said the name, but I think it was a guy called Benny, Benny, Benny Shannon who said that. It was, um, I think he was an ice cream salesman as well. And um, I think, I'm sure he was. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, he got yeah. that. I think he got that knowledge from an ice cream salesman, I think. Which I think is really, really, fasc- really fascinating to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating. Probably, it's probably sort of that story that uh, that that sort of story and that way to put across has probably been put across by many different people across sort of many different traditions because it's such a it's such a powerful and beautiful meaning behind it. And no matter how the story's told, there's so much truth in it, and that's yeah. why I think so many people resonate with things like that. Totally. Yeah. It doesn't matter which which metaphor you use or how how it's articulated. It is true. It's like we don't think to look into our own hearts. We're just stumbling and searching for something outside of ourselves. And it really resonated with me. I mean, I, I completely feel where you guys were coming from, why you needed a break. Because for me, even, you know, it's hard when your career revolves around being online and social media and production and editing and, and having to kind of be in, in another matrix, right? Like our whole point is that we want to get out of the matrix, then we step back into a matrix yeah. of our own creation. <laughs> So there's something about stepping away from it and tapping back into your imagination without the outside noise that allows you to be more harmonious in your day-to-day life. So, I mean, I think like for me, at least like every, every couple months I need to do that or else I'd, I'd go crazy. Yeah. I was just about to ask you that question. I was just about to say, are you somebody, are you somebody who has to actually sort of physically go away somewhere else to sort of tap into that internal space? But you, you answered that there. I mean, but I mean, if you see, if you can't get away, I mean, here's maybe a different question. If you can't get away, I mean, what's your process for finding that inner sort of peace or tapping into that inner wisdom if you can't get away? Yeah. Um, I'll kind of go into hibernation mode. So for me, you know, I'm an only child and I'm very, very independent. And when I feel like I need to just kind of retreat, I do love my apartment, so I'll just kind of tap out of the the outside noise and tap into my heart. And I love meditation, so I've had moments where I've just gone into deep meditation on my own and and just really got into like my writing and drawing. And you know, my friends sometimes will get upset when I go through these things, but like I I, I need it. I, I as a creative and like the way that my mind operates, I need to kind of disconnect sometimes because it helps me connect deeper so I mean whether I can go away or be in my apartment and just meditate and and breathe I think that it's it's necessary yeah definitely I mean mean, when I was when I was away as well Jennifer I mean I had so many moments of clarity even when I was just in my head by myself because I'm someone who listens to loads of I listen to loads of podcasts I just love doing it I love the I love the drive of educating myself and educating my mind and to a sense as well, I always actually go even deeper and we actually go into the minds of the guests as well and actually try and sort of dissect their journeys and, and, and that sort of transition, it sounds weird, but that sort of that sort of like uh, psychology of going into someone else's mind of the guests, sort of, of understanding their journeys sort of imprints a bit on you. So it takes a bit of load on your sort of mental capacity. And um, like I just completely resonate and I think for me, I just needed that time to just sort of step back from step back from everything else and like i said before tap into that inner wisdom but just a from question from that as well i mean do you are you somebody who i mean i mean how do you actually sort of balance that sort of how do you know when that balance is sort of tipping and tipping one way or the other i mean are you someone who can actually sort of realize in your mind when that balance is becoming too much and you are sort of taking in too much information how do you sort of balance that totally i i i can feel the tipping point um, it's, it's like a, it's a kind of an aha moment where like, okay, I'm done right now. I need to, to tap in because, you know, in, in working in this field, especially we have to, we have to be on a certain level of mindfulness and awareness. And I think it's Lao Tzu or there's a, a great master that had the quote of like that you have to fill up your cup first because if your cup's not filled, then you have nothing left to give anybody else. So when I feel like the cup is drained and I have nothing, I have to fill back up so that I can create from a space of heart and mindfulness and not frustration. And, you know, because it's, it, at some point it, it starts to be a lot. And 
I mean, I commend you guys so much. Like you've done such a wonderful job with your podcast and how you've curated guests and how you edit and post production. And you know, your podcast has been such, such a joy to be on even like our first interview for me. I, I even had to, I was doing the podcast with evolve and ascend and I just stopped. It's like, you know what? I got to just focus on creating my own story right now. <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta work on, on that part. Well, it's interesting you actually said that, Jennifer, because me and Dan just did a, um, a podcast, uh, well, like 100th episode, and it was all about um, the struggles and the real, the journey that we've actually came, and we actually mentioned a lot of, like, like the hard parts, the, like, the tipping parts, like, which could have been, like, it could have been the moments where we, like, she really struggled, it, but we pushed through, and it, it, we really highlighted them, and it was a, and it was a really great episode, and I think what you, you and Dan are talking about is, like, you know, when you're getting away, and you're starting to, like, shift shift in a way it's like a like a talk between identities within yourself because you identify so much with like this beautiful connection with like your work and and you've also got this beautiful connection to nature and it's hard to like balance especially on the online world where it's hard to balance between the two and um it's something which i actually resonate with and i was actually thinking this in my mind um a story about uh i was listening to a story about uh elon musk and he was talking about um work and, and he's talking about like work and he's and he actually has like um, three ex-wives and they were talking about one of his ex-wives and they said, um, so what is it with Elon? Why why can he not like have like a connection? Like why why is he like disconnected with like other people? And like, and they said, he was, and he, she said it was because he was so like work oriented that that be, itself became the identity of who he was. And he, and it showed you like his passion. He said it was just like constantly in this identity of work. And I think, when you're in this identity of work, you become like so disconnected in other forms of relationship, not with your partner, but also with, with like you were saying, with um, nature as well. And this is where like the three of us, we need to do this type of podcast. So we are in touch with all these different identities that we have inside because it's, it's so like missing truth to actually believe that we've, that we are our work or we are just a part of nature because we're all, we're everything in all like we've been talking about. And, I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> but like I just like to say, like it's what's powerful is just becoming all identities and not just forming one singular identity. Totally, and I think there's power in authenticity and knowing that you know we're all human, and part of our humanness is the perfection of our imperfections. You know, and none of us are are perfectly perfect. You know, so it's like there are struggles, and I think. You know, the illusion of numbers where people sometimes will like see, see our social media following or, or number and then think, oh, they got it all figured out. And it's like, no, we're still growing and learning and evolving and ascending. And it's a constant process of learning and unlearning and being in flow and just maybe like in the waiting pool for a little while, <laughs> you know? And I think, um, it's it's uh, really important for for us all to share our stories and and to just be real about it, you know. And it's about balance because, like, thinking about what Elon Musk's ex-wives were saying, even Nikola Tesla had had some quote where he's talking about how he never had a serious relationship or or refused to have relationships because he thought that it was just a distraction from his work. And that's also very, very unhealthy because there has to be balance, you know. Human relationships are, are the sweet stuff. They, they make life that much more beautiful and grander and connected. Um, but, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, you got to pay attention to where the scales are balanced and keep the feather heart. <laughs> it was funny you said that because Nikola Tesla as well, he's actually got another quote as well where he says, um, he says, Nikola Tesla says, name me a man that has a wife that has invented something incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's that's on, that's on the that's, that doesn't mean I, that doesn't mean I agree with him by the way, but that's just on the other tip tip of the scale of obviously how far he has to go to sort of to sort of push things out there, and that's the way his mind works. And I don't I don't see I, I don't completely agree with that, but <laughs> I just thought I'd give it to see. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it's just an example of you know he created amazing things, but he also probably struggled and he obviously struggled in his personal life. Yeah. I, I think as well not even a sense of obviously we're talking more creativity here as well but even just for sort of more the average person even who's people who's just like when I first started the journey even just sort of seeking as well like the balance of even seeking knowledge and sort of trying to attain too much knowledge in your mind that can be sort of a balance point in my mind and, it, and it's interesting to me because 
to a sense as well society sort of structured in a way to sort of just sort of completely make that balance in your mind go all over the place because we know that society is designed in a certain way to sort of take time out of people and the systems to a sense are sort of designed in a way to sort of for me anyway on my journey sort of when I was not even just on the creative side of things but just seeking it gives the, the system gives you no time to sort of question or no time to think and it it doesn't give even people just that sort of that sense or that second to just even react properly to life and I think in a, in a sense not even like we said before not just creative but people are programmed in a way just to sort of forget about that real seeking and sort of to tap into their own inner wisdom totally but then this is the thing where the scales become off balance because we're in a society that that doesn't encourage it and then when we step outside of the one matrix and go down the rabbit hole it becomes so seductive all of the conspiracy theories and all this stuff like i remember in 2012 2013 i was just like a youtube addict where i'm like aliens reptilians gmos psychological operations <laughs> you name it i was watching the youtube video on it but it's because we were so like you know the veil hadn't been lifted but it's also about like how how do you navigate through all that stuff because a lot of the stuff where there's validity to it and there's a lot of darkness and there's some real things that are very, very real. It's also how productive is this to my life? How is, am I going to take this information and apply it in a productive way? Am I just losing hours on YouTube videos that are just making me more angry and resentful for, for the matrix? You know, I really, Jennifer, uh, sorry, Jennifer, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I really resonate with that because it says to me as well, there is, like in my life as well, I've noticed for me, there's this balance between, because I like, just like you, I like going down the rabbit holes and I love watching YouTube videos and I can, we, I even have sort of, we, me and my friends come around my house and we'll have conspiracy nights and we'll just put a, a random video on, we'll watch it and we'll go down the rabbit hole for three or four hours. But then on the other, other hand, sometimes after I've just been watching the video, a little voice will say inside my head, why didn't you just go outside in nature? Why didn't you just run around and run through the trees and climb a tree or whatever it is but I think it's like that balance of, of maintaining that balance because to me anyway everything in society sort of is pushing you away from that natural balance and to a certain degree as well even I know sort of these videos help you and push you on as a person but just like you said if you consume too much it sort of takes it pushes away that natural balance and it's sort of out and to me anyway it sees that our sort of attention is sort of being drawn away from sort of the real source and I, it's interesting to me as well. Um, I mean, even when I, I noticed as well, when I sort of when I when I was away on holiday as well, I was just completely immersing myself in nature. And I know Terence McKenna talks about this as well, and he talks about how some of the real teachers, some of the best real teachers in the world, aren't, aren't what you think. And he talks about how some of the real teachers are actually like a river and a mountain and things like that. And I just think sometimes in life, yes, like obviously, like you said, YouTube is good, podcasts are good, and things like that, but just sometimes to maintain that balance some of the best teachers are just sitting beside a lake and just actually like we've been talking about for this podcast actually just you just listening to your own internal dialogue i mean it's it's very interesting to me as well and i mean um i was thinking about this as well and this actually comes when i was sitting on holiday as well and um and i was actually trying to be like sort of grounding myself in, in nature and things like that and i was actually thinking to myself that some people will actually even go months without even just sort of touching the bare feet on the on the on the ground or the earth just so wild it's so nuts to think about that and it, it's funny that you mentioned that and it's like i i chose when you're talking about just the beauty of of being able to put your feet on the ground or to sit by a river because one of the last little getaways i also had um you know i went i was originally supposed to go camping with my friends but the weather didn't support it so we wound up getting an airbnb in upstate new york and we had a, our friend is a shaman that's trained in Peru and he had Wachuma, which is uh, San Pedro. So we all decided to, to do San, this San Pedro journey and in this amazing little cabin that we found in upstate New York. And one of my favorite moments that I've had, that whole trip was, was amazing. I mean, Wachuma is basically like liquid sunshine and a, a great lesson in love. And it's not really like psychedelic. It's more like... I don't know how to understand how to explain it. It's kind of like all the best parts of mushrooms without visuals and without nausea. Um, but it just felt like pure love. And one of my favorite moments in that experience was I had just, you know, went outside, I was outside barefoot and I found a swing and I was just sitting on the swing, happy as can be. <laughs> I was like having the time of my life, just 
feeling like a kid again. And my girlfriend, Gina, <laughs> I look over and she kept, she saw me and she was like, Oh my God. <laughs> she started filming me. She thought it was like the cutest thing she ever saw. But for me, I was just in a moment where I was like, this is so nice. This is just, you know, we, we forget that deep down we're all still little kids inside. That's why we react poorly to things. It's like when we tantrum or get mad, it's like the little kid in us. But the little kid in us also finds joy and simple pleasures is just like sitting on a swing and, and laying in the grass. It's like we just overcomplicate things so much. And uh, there really is such an importance of reconnecting to nature for perspective. Yeah, I was going to say, I love that, Jennifer, by the way. And I actually seen your Instagram video when you were doing that as well. I could actually see how much joy was in your face just sort of just being in the moment, just not thinking about anything else, just the pure tapping into that inner child. I think it's beautiful when it is beautiful because I think there's so many things in life that you can, that, that we do forget that we can use to tap into that. But it's so, when you were talking before about nature and things like that, it's so interesting to me how, to a sense, we are sort of turning ourselves away from nature. I mean, even if you look around the world now, not only sort of like we're knowing now, we're sort of environmentally we're destroying nature. But it's interesting to me because I was thinking about this. It, it seems to be it's like this sort of like this hilarious fear, which is not really hilarious, really. But just when you look at it, it is that actually people are scared to sort of actually just be a part of nature and, and connect back to that real source. Because I was thinking about this other day. There's actually I seen a parent actually stopping the kid from playing in the puddles just because they, they'll get like sort of the Armani shoes wet or something uh. like that. <laughs> uh, so ridiculous. You know, it's even crazy too, you know, that, that's like a real life moment. But so on the plane ride home, flew Egypt air and their, their selection of movies wasn't too great. Um, I flew it coming there and going back and coming there, I watched two terrible movies and coming back. I also did. And you know, I'm a sucker for like silly kids movies. Sometimes I just like to like have those feel good, like whatever. I still watch Disney films, <laughs> um, but I saw on the plane, there was this film called like diary of a wimpy kid. Yeah. Yeah. And the movie was absurd because like, you know, I'm 32 years old and now this is, this is a generational thing, but the, in the film they're talking about how the kids, like the mom wanted to limit the screen time because everybody's on their phones and the, the wimpy kid is talking about, Oh, like, I can't believe that. Like my mom wants to take my phone away. Like what did they do before phones go outside and play? And like, that sounds awful. And then the kid's imagination is that like going outside, all these terrible things will happen. And, and the message in the film wasn't like countering that it was kind of like saying like, it's okay to be on the phone the way it was like very bizarre. I'm watching it. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I feel so lucky to have grown up the way that I grew up that, I went from like tapes to CDs to, to MP3s and I didn't get a cell phone until eighth grade. And even then I just had this like crappy little red phone that like, you know, had a fortune telling thing on it, <laughs> like completely pixelated screen. But that like kids today are so tied to their devices that like screen time needs to be limited. How nuts is that? That they're afraid to be outside? Like, that? what a crazy world. You were talking about the Diary of the Wimpy Kid when you were watching that uh, video and you were saying about how the, uh, the kids and things like that, are, the parents are trying to get the kids to go outside in nature and things like that. And it was actually resonating in my mind because there's a passage that talks about, um, it, says, if you, it says, if you want to find out how fucked up you are, it says, it says, ask yourself when was the last time that you went in nature or jumped in the sea or jumped in a lake. And I think that rings so true to me because I think if people do ask themselves that, they, they might actually really find out how fucked up they are. <laughs> <laughs> and when did they do it that it wasn't for an Instagram photo? Yeah, definitely, you know? definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's the other thing. Like, are we Snapchatting these moments or can we actually go outside and, and be at one with nature and, and do it without, like, needing to, to uh, be connected on the device as well? And, and and to be honest with well, there's some of the some of them are the best moments as well because when you just when you just do it off the cuff and you just you, you weren't you weren't sort of planning on even just jumping in the lake because we had a story where me Chris and our two of our best friends we went to the Lake District which is a place in the UK where it's sort of got loads of big uh, hills and mountains and things that way you can go hiking and it's got loads of lovely beautiful lakes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's a beautiful place. Anyone would recommend going to it. And um, we had a moment where we'd been there all weekend and we'd been sort of camping and sort of 
listening to music and just basically just chilling and do obviously just having a great a great vibe about the full weekend. And it was very interesting because near the end of the week, um, yeah, me and Chris wanted to jump in the lake, but our two of our friends didn't want to go in because they were saying it was too cold. And we actually eventually pulled them in the lake and got them to go on the uh, to go on the lake. And they said that that was after that that was one of the most sort of invigorating experiences they've ever had in their lives. And they were so they were so chuffed and so glad that we actually sort of made them go in the water because it just made it made their whole experience incredible. And I think I think there's so many things like that where was a lot of times in my life when I was younger I was so hesitant just to like to do something like that that was out of my comfort zone. But now in my life now I actually realise that them things that you're hesitant about are the things that actually are the best things in life. Yes. It's so true. It's like I think that that's like a good barometer too if you feel a hesitation to like push yourself through it and to do it. Because like there's so much joy on the other side of that. Yeah, definitely. And Jennifer as well, I mean, just just to bring this to end as well, something I did want to ask you as well. I mean, so we know that what we've been all been talking about in this podcast, Hedra Sense, and we've been sort of about tapping into that inner wisdom and things like that and sort of tapping back into that source and sort of trying to get ourselves back into that natural balance of life and sort of get out of comfort zone and things like that. But we know in society, society sort of designed a way to sort of like sort of take away that natural balance. But have you ever actually thought about sort of why this why sort of society is actually designed that way and then when we do sort of get away and we go in nature and like you said you take you, you go do an ayahuasca retreat or whatever it is whatever sort of creates that stillness in your mind have you ever thought about what that actual real message is that that we get from all them things that are so that society doesn't really want us to have that's something that i think about a lot because especially when you have a profound experience with with plant medicine or even a profound experience sitting on a swing in nature and connecting to friends. I mean, albeit I was on San Pedro for that moment too, but it's still nature. Um, it makes you wonder, because I think ultimately what the conclusion that I've come to is that I think that most human beings are good. I think that fundamentally we all at one point were infants. We all at one point were, were children. We all at one point were like pure and I think often about what deviation happened for these like corporate entities and corporate people to lose touch with that so much that they want to destroy the very thing that they're a part of. And I don't have a good answer for it because I don't know. I don't know what it could be or what could be caused within a person to want to destroy something so beautiful just for a profit. You know, because it's there's the one George Carlin quote where it's like trying to trying to find happiness from things is like trying to satisfy hunger by taping sandwiches to your body. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, it really makes me wonder. And I I wish I had an answer, but I don't. And it, it's sad when you think about it. And it used to scare me. But now I just try to find empathy for the emptiness that these people must feel that profit is more important than connection. So I wish I had an answer, but I, I don't. I just I, I pity the people that that find more joy in, uh, you know, the 10 million dollar home than they do with just rolling around in the grass with their friends and laughing. Yeah. Well, if that's their purpose in life or if that's their passion, Jennifer, like, it's good on them. You know what I mean? Like, if that's what they perceive as happiness and they're enjoying themselves, good. that's them. But I think what we're talking about, like, when when you actually just mentioned that there, Jennifer, like, it just actually made me think of, like, one of our first answers is when you were talking about, like, um, when you were talking about yourself in Egypt and you were, like, this, like, woman, like, no holds barred woman and you were, like, and you're seeing the restrictions placed on other women and I, and I kind of actually resonated with that answer there when... It's like it's the same thing of like why society doesn't want us to have it. Like it's like saying like why does society want to hide away the woman's beauty? And it makes me actually think like maybe our past is actually hindering us in such a sense that we actually need to look forward. And I think that's a beautiful point actually where we need to look. And I think all of us together, not just you and me and Dan, Jennifer, but I think all of us together, if we actually look forward and actually see where we want the future to be, we can actually really enforce any change that we truly want yeah and i just want to say add to that as well jennifer as well because i love that i love that uh, point you said as well jennifer i love that chris as well and um what i think what i think just to add a point just to bring it in as well i think it um 
what I love about it is what like all these practices when we do take ourselves away and we sort of like we've been talking about for this podcast and you just sit you're sitting with yourself and things like that it actually makes you just pause for a second and, and ask yourself the question what the fuck are we all doing and I think it actually really shows you who you are as a people and that's what I think society's scared of like the, whatever whatever it is and what the powers to be or whatever but that's what I really think because the system's sort of designed in a way to sort of adopt it to the other to the other person's point of view and to their plan and things like that but it's interesting when you do sort of tap into that like I said you start asking questions what am I doing where am I going who am I things like that and that's that's what I think ultimately the the truth is and what people are scared of people people are accepting and they're not just you know they're just fine in the status quo but I really do I think the power of a question like you said is so important inquiry leads to answers and then those answers lead to more answers and you know everything's always in flux and there's never like always just going to be a complete this is the answer of, of everything but you should never stop questioning you know that uh, the power of why and how and what <laughs> is so incredible Sounds. Yeah, what a what a powerful point. And by the way, Jennifer, I was want to say what a podcast, and thank you so much again for coming back on again. There'll be so more of these in the future yeah. because you're such a great you're such a great speaker, and you have so much great wisdom as well, and you, you have a great perspective. And on this podcast as well, we actually haven't had many uh, females on the podcast as well. And I think as well, it, it's been hard for us to actually find uh, females who 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 really are sort of pushing the boundaries, just like you are. And I just want to really recommend you. For someone, because I know in society it is it is quite hard, harder for for females to really step forward and really show their voice and let them shine, let it shine. And I think you are someone who's really sort of leading the way for for other females as well who can come forward and sh- share their truth. So I just want to say I think it's just, it's just thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you guys. I have tears in my eyes. I love you guys. I love what you're creating. Anytime you want me to come on, I'm more than happy to be on and support it. I am so grateful we connected. You guys are both wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you do want to check out more from Jennifer Sedini, please head over to her website, evolveandascend.com or go to her personal website, jenniferzadini.com, where she has some incredible blog posts and writings as she's an incredible writer. And it would be also so, so cool if you could just take a few minutes out of your time to check out the Patreon page. And if you can, support the podcast via our Patreon page. And when you also become a Patreon member by donating whatever amount each month you can, even if it's only $2 a month, you will gain access to bonus content that is only available to Patreon subscribers. And the content and rants on that page now as well are really starting to rack up as well. And we're constantly going to keep adding more and more new bonus content. To that patreon page we really are going to make it the place for you guys who want to get a bit more from the podcast and i just also wanted to give a little call to action out there if there's anyone out there who listens to this podcast who is an app developer and would be interested in becoming a part of a project please send us a message via the ascend podcast website contact page and also coming up in the future on this podcast as well me and chris are also going to be heading to the mind body spirit festival in birmingham <laughs> um which will be will be there Friday till Sunday, which I think the dates are the 3rd, the 4th and the 5th of November. And if any of you guys do want to meet us up and are going there, going on them, date, on them dates, just hit us up and it would be so cool to meet up with you guys. So anyway, we'll catch you next week where we have another amazing episode as usual. Peace.